Well, look, we're, we're creating nice alignment with those providers. And so what we do is we pay a fair market value for the providers, but then we give them incentives that are aligned with ours. So they're then incented to provide better clinical outcomes. They're incented to provide better patient satisfaction scores, and they get bonuses that are based on that. Look, the way we do this is providing 24-7 access to your physician. So you will have your physician's cell phone number be able to call that position wow. on a Saturday or Sunday or frankly a Tuesday night at midnight. Through eight months, they determined that we'd save them $600,000. And they came back to us and said, look, we've saved all this money. And I said, that's so wonderful. What are you going to do with those dollars? And they said, we're giving it back to the teachers. We're going to raise teachers. Wow. Hi, I'm Dave Tabor, and this is the Proco 360 podcast with stories and lessons from Colorado's world-class entrepreneurs. Proco 360 is for people who are proud of Colorado's innovative companies and relate to the unique energy of their leaders. Listeners, thanks to you. Proco 360 is Westward Reader's best Denver podcast, three years running and two years as a top 15 Colorado podcast on Feedspot. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Chris Miller, CEO of Paladina Health. Paladina Health is a direct primary healthcare provider that's different. They've figured out how to provide 80 to 90% of healthcare in one place. There are way fewer patients per provider. And my favorite, patients average four minutes in the waiting room. I'd be skeptical, I mean really skeptical, except that satisfaction is super high. And a little fact that based on its early success, the company raised $165 million to expand. So I want to know from Chris how this works in the midst of arguably the most inefficient and perhaps dysfunctional industry ever created. So Chris, glad you could join me via Zoom as a guest on Proco360. Thanks, Dave. Delighted and honored to be here today. I, I'm glad you could join me because this is a, especially in the midst of a COVID pandemic, you know, providing healthcare is an important deal. So Give us first a quick overview of Paladina Health in your words. Yeah, so really what we do is we provide a disruptive healthcare solution directly to employers. So we build on-site and near-site clinics. We staff them with primary care physicians largely, and then we funnel as much care as we can through those PCPs or sometimes APPs. Uh, what this does is it, it provides pretty remarkable results in terms of cost savings for the employer in terms of patient satisfaction scores and really much better clinical outcomes for the patient themselves. So how is it different? And I get that it's kind of on-site or near-site. Um, how's it different between like primary care, specialty care? Well, I can tell the difference between specialty care, but like an HMO. Um, and, and how do you play with insurance companies? Yeah, so this is really a complement to the insurance programs that are put in place by the employers. Again, it's paid for directly by the employer and then made free mostly for the employees. So the employees get 24-7 access to their physicians. And the employers, by bringing us on, are really banking on the fact that they're going to save dollars down the road. So what happens is they send as much care through us thinking that their claims spend is going to be dramatically reduced with their current insurance programs that they've got in place with the for their patients, employees. And so that tends to be true, right? Turns out that having 24-7 access to physician drives incredible results yeah. in terms of better clinical outcomes and satisfaction scores, not to mention savings. Well, when you say they drive as many as much care through through you as they can, then all of a sudden that creates kind of like this cringe, uh, you know, a, a you know, that, oh, I'm not sure I want to be driven a particular place. All of the debate around healthcare is, you know, the sky is going to fall because you can't choose your own doctors anymore. So how does, sure. how does that work? Yeah, so really it becomes an elective for the employee, but once they have the experience with Paladina, 
they really don't go back. Now, there's, there's certainly some resistance initially from employees saying, hey, I've, I've really enjoyed my time with Dr. Smith for 30 years and I don't want to make a change. Well, we bring them in for things like flu shots or some acute care needs. And once they see that experience with Palladina, it becomes pretty easy for them to commit. So we have engagement levels, Dave, that really range between you know 60% to, to 95% with mm. some of our clients. And so really those employees are, are dramatically changing their behavior in terms of using their uh, the Palladina PCP as their primary source for care. Yeah, and I kind of like, in fact, I really like the idea that it's, it's done through... Um, an organic approach as opposed to a heavy mandate, that's got to help. Um, and my question for you though, is if this makes such good sense, why isn't it, why is like 2020, all these, they get big funding in 2018. We'll talk about but why, why is it in just recent history that this seemed like a good idea? Yeah. Like there's a lot more education now around the concept of value-based care. And so making sure that the alignment is in place, making sure that providers are aligned so that they don't have to spend just seven minutes with their, their patients and then move on. There's a big movement away from fee-for-service and, and knowing the, uh, the, the, frankly, the lack of productivity, the lack of care that that provides, just spending seven minutes with your provider. So more and more employers are being educated around the fact that we can deliver better care and save them really between 10 and 40% annually on their healthcare spend by u- utilizing the concept of direct primary care. Okay, you brought up money in a way, and so I'm glad to do it. In fact, I wasn't going to talk about your financial model till later on, but I found that I couldn't really get very far in this conversation. In fact, you you proved that just now without talking about a basic understanding of of the business. And in August 2018, Palladino Health got $165 million in an investment. So somebody thinks you're going to make a lot of money. Uh, if you're spending more time with patients and visiting with them more often, how can you make a lot of money when primary care seems to be losing money these days? Yeah, that's a good question. I really dwell back on the fact that most primary care is done through fee-for-service models, right? And so primary care tends to be a loss leader for a lot of hospital systems. But what's interesting in this in this uh, environment, Dave, is that we've had a number of systems directly reach out to us saying, hey, can we partner with you? Because we're lousy at primary care mm. and you seem to have a great solution. So look, there is a way to, to, to make money in this, but really we're about impacting lives and, and doing well by doing good. Um, what's, what's really nice about our model is that we reduce the panel size dramatically for the physicians. So as opposed yeah. to seeing a panel size of 3,500 patients, they can see a panel size of 1,000 or 1,200 with us yeah. and therefore deliver much better care for their patients. But all this results in making sure that we pay our primary care physicians well um, mm-hmm. and, and making sure we're getting the right payment from the employers. I mean, yeah, paying primary physicians is uh, an interesting topic these days because it seems like with all of the debt they come out of medical school with, they can't ever pay it back if they go into primary care. Is that yeah, going like, to change? Are you going to make them all be able to pay back their it, loans better? Well, look, we're, we're creating nice alignment with those providers. And so what we do is we pay a fair market value for the providers, but then we give them incentives that are aligned with ours. So they're then incented to provide better clinical outcomes. They're incented to provide better patient satisfaction scores, and they get bonuses that are based on that. Hmm. And so they're really incented to provide the right care. And frankly, it's a better lifestyle for these, these direct, uh, these for primary sure. care physicians. For sure. And, and, uh, Interesting that, uh, you know, they can get a bonus for helping to keep costs down. It's actually the exact opposite of the fee-for-service model that exists now, right? Exactly right. In the fee-for-service model, they're incented to see as many patients as they can throughout the day. And really, that just doesn't lead to great care. Yeah. So now a listener, Sarah, uh, when she did a quick bit of research, 
ask this question. If you, you know, you've raised $165 million for expansion. Mm-hmm. Once you, once you've used all that money, is your model sustainable? It is. So we're a profitable model, which is which is really the great thing. So um, look, we, we took on the, these dollars to do a couple of things. One was to continue to invest in IT and stay ahead of the curve in terms of what we need to do in terms of providing a technology solution to both clients mm-hmm. and patients. We also made a few acquisitions to expand our footprint geographically. Um, and we're looking to grow organically by, by building more clinics. And so with these dollars, we've done all three of those things and we have a profitable model, we'll be profitable next year. So we're excited about that. Um, and we will continue to grow. The demand you know, has accelerated even through this pandemic. We've had to bring on additional staff to take on uh, the work that we're doing from the demand side. So it's an exciting time. Yeah, thanks. I want to, I want to, Thanks for that answer because I'm going to talk, I'm going to dig in a little bit more on that in a minute. First, I want to remind listeners, this is ProCo360 named Best Denver Podcast, three years running. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Chris Miller, CEO of Paladina Health. Thanks to our sponsors, Community Banks of Colorado, the law firm of Holland and Hart, Kinsley Meetings, Microstar Keg Logistics, and Via Technologies. These Great companies support Colorado business and entrepreneurs, and they support this show. And thanks to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for its support for me and Proco 360. I want to change slightly, pivot a little bit, Chris, that my heading is changing the world. Are you infuriating the system? And so my, at, at first I thought, excuse me, this is a kind of a long question. At first I thought the traditional medicine world would appreciate Paladina because primary medicine has the lowest margins. And as you said, it's a loss leader. From what I see though, high margins, high profits are in healthcare specialties, surgical centers, pharmaceuticals, some hospitals. So then I wondered if you're doing such a good job, aren't you basically slowing the flow from primary care to high margin areas and they might not like that look we are and, and we we're, we're firm believers in the fact that we can handle 80 to 85 percent of, of medical needs through our pcps and what that does too there's a couple of ways which we deliver significant savings you know some of the low-hanging fruit is really about urgent care and, and er avoidance and just using your pcp instead but look we also reduce specialty care uh, referrals and so we have a, a program where we'll do a second opinion and, and we get this back within a few hours from a ter- te- uh, team of, uh, of physicians that are doing e-consults and they'll come back to us and say, no, you don't need specialty care for this, for this incident. And so, look, I, I think that's a lot of our, that's driving a lot yeah, of our savings yeah. as well. Um, but frankly, it's just better for the system and providing better clinical outcomes. And yeah. some patients hate it because they want what they want when they want it. And how do you deal with that in a world where, you know, it's not really smart or good medicine sometimes? The nice thing about our model is you, you use your PCP as the concierge level of, of medicine care. And that's delivered to you know, the CEO on down to the line workers. It's delivered to every single employee for that employer group. And so having 24-7 access to your physician is a pretty interesting perk, right? And so they take advantage mm-hmm. of that by calling their, their PCP first. If they do need specialty care referrals, we'll send them out to the best, best value-based provider you know, within their network and, and give them the option of who they want to use with a recommended recommendation. Yeah. Now, You've used value-based provider, that phrase, a few times. So let me push back on that a little bit because that's exactly what scares those of us who have really high quality, well, let's just say expensive health insurance, right? We're not sure we want what you decide is the best value-based. How do we deal with that as society? Because really, unless we become value-based, we're never going to fix this. 
Yeah, like I think we need to get comfortable around the term what value-based <laughs> means. And for us, it really is those individuals, those providers that provide the best level of care at the lowest prices. And the lowest prices, I think, is what scares people. So yeah, look, yeah. the prices aren't that much. There's not that much of a differentiation in terms of the pricing. We have found some some uh, providers that do you know, charge much lower costs, but we yeah. also want to make sure it's coupled with the best care. It's really hard though, because in fact, a Ford Escort may be a better value than a Lamborghini. And yet, you know, when it comes to my healthcare, I want the Lamborghini. You bet. And look, you'll have the option to choose the Lamborghini if it's within your network and your employer yeah. allows it. Right? <laughs> That's so right. we will make a recommendation for you to yeah, use yeah. the, you know, whichever car it is that you want to use yeah, the Lamborghini yeah, yeah, for. Yeah. But if you need the Lamborghini and want to use the Lamborghini, it'll be yeah. up to you. Like it's up to your employer to create a health plan for you. Mm-hmm. And the deductibles yeah. could change. Frankly, some of these were helping them to do it. And they're charging more for using some some high cost specialty care providers. So it's really yeah. up to the employer. Hey, and, and to go on the record, I think that uh, all of us wanting what we want and especially gravitating to the highest cost, assuming it's going to be best, you know, that's one of the key foundational elements of a broken system. Um, And, and so I'm on your side. I just think it's an interesting, it's just an interesting scenario in which we find ourselves. I don't know. I uh, heard you want the Lamborghini here, Dave. Well, you know, (laughs) only when it's for me, you know, I don't want to pay for someone else to have a Lamborghini when they only need an escort. Don't we figure that out? Right. So um, this is about education. I, you know, I think so eventually, um, but I think ultimately it may be about us having to pay ultimately for our own for our own stuff more and more, and then sure. we decide it's not worth it. So yep. um, anyway, switching gears. Another thing I hear is that government paid patients, Medicare, Medicaid are reimbursed at, at or below cost. So if Paladina doesn't take those patients, then don't you have an advantage over sort of the entrenched system? And what do you say to that? Yeah, look, so it's interesting because our model, as I mentioned, is getting more uh, more PR, there's more notoriety on the results we're delivering from the uh, for direct primary care. CMS has just implemented a program. CMS. Yeah, CMS at, on, at the Medicare level to implement direct primary care, right? So they're, they're, they're taking notice of the results that we're delivering mm-hmm, from cost mm-hmm. savings and better quality. And so they're now asking in, uh, some providers like us to subscribe to this and serve the Medicare population. Look, there's so much opportunity for us in the commercial commercial population to really change the way healthcare works, that we're going to continue focusing on that. Mm-hmm. And a little, little uh, statistic here, there's 90 million Americans that get their insurance through self-insured employers, and we're serving you know, just a small portion of that. So yeah. there's a lot of opportunity for us to disrupt healthcare there. Um, so Medicare population is something we can think about eventually, but frankly, they need better care too. Yeah. Uh, at a time when many are arguing for a government option, uh, which I think implies no profit, that's what I think it implies. Yeah. Um, what's your take on how much private health care companies should be targeting for profits? I mean, is there a philosophical benchmark that you think makes sense? Well, like, I think that we can, we can continue to do well by doing good. We're a profitable company and, and the profit, you, know, you may have heard the phrase before, no money, no mission. Yeah, and sure. The profit really allows us to continue to impact more lives and expand and build more clinics and provide better health care. And the fact that we're saving employers 10 to 40% a year means the demand continues to increase. So yeah. our profitability just allows us to expand this model. Sure. You mentioned um, the mission, and I would think that your employees um, appreciate that. I mean, does, does your mission play into the culture of the company, the people you attract, you know, how you manage and so forth? Yeah, very much so. And look, I've, I've been, I'm grateful and fortunate to have run mission and values-driven businesses in the healthcare services space the past 17 years. Um, 
mission and, and values are a huge focus for us from a cultural standpoint. And, and just as you mentioned, it does really impact the types of individuals that we hire. And we tend to hire those that are really mission focused and frankly, philanthropic in terms of what they mm -hmm. want to do. So everyone is really charged by the, the ability to continue to impact lives and disrupt healthcare in the U.S. I, I think it's interesting too that, and I was told this by Angela McPike, Paladina Health's uh, SVP of Marketing Communications, that your, your corporate clients to reiterate, don't require their employees to participate. And yet over time they come on, talk about that organic adoption. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, it, it starts with the first experience. And sometimes that first experience Dave could be coming in for a flu shot, but the unique thing that we do with each of our employers is we get them involved in hiring the physician. So based on three years of claims data, we look at the demographics and the types of claims they're, uh, they're incurring. And we say, okay, look, you need a physician with a specialty in X, Y, or Z. And oftentimes X, Y, and Z are chronic conditions, but it frankly sure. it could be OBGYN depending on what the demographics and population looks like. And so we sit down with the employer and they help us to hire the right physicians. And so coming in, they know that their employees are going to want to use mm. that physician mm. and helps them and encourage them to use, utilize us. And I would think they share that kind of messaging with their, with their teams and that helps as well. It does. Yeah. There's a lot of PR behind it. And frankly, some employers are even a little bit more aggressive saying, look, to encourage you to use Paladina, the first time you use them, we'll give you a hundred dollars and put that in your bank account. And mm. so there's some in incentives they can use uh, to encourage folks to, uh, to utilize Paladina, but the adoption yeah. rate accelerates quickly. Yeah. Now, as you, as the adoption rate increases, you get more people as you, you know, the market accepts and adopts what you're doing, you're going to grow. So as you achieve growth and scale, how do you do that? So customers don't feel it. I mean, that to me, that's a huge challenge. And uh, the idea that, I mean, look, you and I are no longer going to be friends if I call up and I get a phone tree. I mean, companies Absolutely. cannot figure out how to get bigger without becoming less personal. Yeah. Well, like, so we maintain that personalized level. We're, we're a, a small company with a big company footprint. And that sounds cliche, Dave, but look, the way we do this is providing 24-7 access to your physician. So you will have your physician's cell phone number to be able to call that physician wow. on a Saturday or Sunday or, frankly, a Tuesday night at midnight. And the great thing about a smaller panel size is that it's really not, uh, it's not abused. And so the patients get to know their, their physician and they know when they need to call that physician. Like I've, I've called my physician on a Saturday afternoon because I've got a child who's asthmatic and needed some help. And they got back to me right away saying, hey, here's what you need to do. And by the way, you don't need to use the ER. And so that, that's that personal touch that continues to, uh, to be felt by the patients at, uh, at the local level. Wow. Uh, hey, it's no secret we're in the midst of a pandemic. Um, news says that there's going to be a vaccine available soon. Listener Kendall Coleman asked, I mean, how does an independent system like Paladina Health interplay in that kind of a, that kind of a system? And, you know, as a, at your size and scale, can you be part of it? Yeah, very much so. And so, look, we, we do testing, tracing, uh, surveying for a number of our employers, frankly, helping them to get back to work. But the biggest thing that we've been able to do to impact this pandemic is using our pretty robust analytics engine. I mentioned we get years of claims data and we can get ongoing claims data from our, from our patients, no matter who they're using. And we were able to use, uh, use a, a data analytics engine to determine who the most high-risk patients would be for each employer and then have our physicians proactively reach out and say, Mrs. Jones, and you've got these two chronic conditions. 
you need to stock up on insulin given what's happening in this pandemic. Or by the way, you probably should think about staying at home more often given the, the risk that you, wow. uh, you incur. So that's a proactive approach. And frankly, Dave, that's in our, our net promoter score. We used to measure patient satisfaction scores uh, through the roof um, and, and continues to climb in this pandemic. Well, that's cool. Hey, one more re- reminder for listeners. This is Proco 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. And this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Chris Miller, CEO of Paladina Health. Go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. In fact, if you read my blog, you're going to see a recent rant about uh, using nice technology to, uh, to do your video calls, and I've got a couple of ideas there for you. Hey, please don't forget to rate Proco360 in your app when you finish this episode. And now moving into what uh, we might call the wrap-up phase. I got several more questions, though, for Chris. And Chris, you've worked in other healthcare arenas that are sort of out of the mainstream. Trump, mm-hmm. At Trumpet Health, you focused on services for people with autism and developmental disabilities. You know, is this a driver for you to accomplish things that are sort of out of the mainstream? It is, yeah. So I, I, I look forward to impacting healthcare in, in unique ways. And my first foray into healthcare was focused on the senior population. Uh, then I went into uh, the, the area of behavioral health and, and focusing individuals on, on individuals with autism and developmental disabilities and now primary care. But each, each of these are, are frankly needs in the healthcare realm that uh, frankly need more productivity and, and better quality of care. Yeah. As, as a leader in a company that strives to shape the future, it, a super complicated industry, I mean, how do you think about how much and how fast you can move? Yeah, that's a tricky question. So look, we only want to move as fast as we can to deliver the same level of quality. And you hit upon this earlier, but you know, we could probably go out and, and build clinics in all 50 states you know, in the next year or so, but, but that would be, I think, at the sacrifice of some quality. Frankly, we're only as good as the people that we hire that are delivering that care. And so that tends to be you know, our barrier. But as long as we can continue hiring great physicians and great providers, and we'll continue to grow. So a bit of pushback because you seem like a nice guy, high quality oriented guy. And at, I Uh-oh. keep thinking in the back of my mind, yeah, somebody gave you 165 million bucks and they're probably not nearly as patient as you are. That's probably true, Dave, but, uh, but I think they're, they're, they're pleased with the progress. And look, as I mentioned, that, uh, that 165 million has been used towards you know, additional acquisitions, uh, spending more on IT and, and growth. And frankly, that growth has allowed us to impact more lives. And look, I'd love to get into some of the testimonials at some point, because some of the things we've done for the, uh, the clients we're serving have been pretty remarkable in terms of how they've turned around their savings and given dollars back to their employees. And so that's really you know, hmm. what, what drives us at the end of the day. Sure. Uh, keeping focused on the theme of this Proco 360 podcast, which is world-class entrepreneurs who choose Colorado. How do you feel being in Colorado has played at Paladina Health? And are there challenges being an industry change agent and being based in Colorado versus one of the super high population centers? No, it's been fantastic for us. And I love Colorado. And frankly, we moved here specifically to to move the headquarters of my previous company, Trumpet Behavioral Health, uh, here in, in Colorado. And frankly, it's allowed us to bring on those types of individuals that are mission values driven, that frankly want a better lifestyle and 
really a lower cost of living in comparison to some of the other places that we could have located this business. And so it's been remarkable to be located here in Colorado. You know, people frankly love to move here. And, and that's my favorite thing to do is recruit new uh, executives <laughs> from other, other states and bring them to Colorado and create more jobs here. And look, we're also lucky to have State of Colorado as a partner, uh, one of our clients, and we're building more clinics throughout the state to serve those state employees. And, and that's uh, remarkably grat- gratifying as well. Uh, before we move on, you, you tossed out that you'd like to share sort of a testimonial story or an example yeah. or something. And I don't want to wrap up leaving that up in the air. So go ahead. Let's go ahead. Share. I appreciate that. So look, we work with a public school in, in Ohio and in, it, through eight months on the, the, uh, in the, into the partnership with them, they've used their own actuaries to figure out what their cost savings were. And again, this is driven by urgent care, ER avoidance, pharmaceuticals, switching to, to uh, generics versus name brands and some specialty care avoidance. And through eight months, they determined that we'd save them $600,000. And they came back to us and said, look, we've saved all this money. And I said, that's so wonderful. You know, what are you gonna do with those dollars? And they said, we're giving it back to the teachers. We're gonna raise teacher wow. salaries. So it's that kind of impact that we're just so grateful to have every day. Wow. So the teachers who used the service then become beneficiaries of, of the cost savings. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's exactly That's right. a great example. Uh, you're, I'm going to switch gears a little bit before we wrap up. Your bio says you're an adventure traveler and a photographer, that you do that with your wife, two sons and a daughter. So what's all that for you? Yeah, like that's my release. And so yeah. I, I love, I've been fortunate enough and, and really with a backpack kind of a couple of dollars a day sort of spending, but to travel to lots of, uh, lots of crazy places around this world. And frankly, it's really um, encouraged my mission and values focus because you, you realize in traveling around the world that uh, it doesn't take much for people to be happy, you know, so the, the right kind of healthcare, a little food and, and shelter and people are smiling. And so that's been really gratifying for me to, to, to get some exposure to the world and understand, you know, how, uh, how this world works a bit. Yeah. So where did you see where you thought people were profoundly happy living simple lives and that you could share that experience? Yeah, look, I've really been uh, impacted by the people that I've met in places like Nepal and Vietnam and and uh, and places, frankly, where people are living on, you know, what we consider pennies and, and nickels a day um, and seeing the types of locations and types of shelters in which they live. And frankly, kids and adults are running out with smiles on their faces. And it's just it's sobering, you know, in, in this environment yeah, in which we live. Yeah. But frankly, it provides great perspective. Yeah. Have your kids gone those kinds of places with you? We've gone on some adventure travel, but my kids yeah. are 12, 10, and 7, so we're gearing up towards You're some just big getting, adventures here. In the yeah. And uh, we had a few in, in, in the motion, but unfortunately, the pandemic has shut down yeah. some of those plans. Yeah. Last question for you, uh, Chris. U.S. healthcare seems to be entrenched in dysfunction. And we've talked about that. We've talked about your answer, but with all the aspects of delivery, pointing the fingers at each other for high costs and suboptimal outcomes. I mean, is Paladina Health the answer or how much of the answer? Yeah, look, I don't know that Paladina Health is the answer specifically, but I think the concept of direct primary care is the answer. And the greatest testimony, as I mentioned before, is that CMS has adopted it now. So look, there'll be other competitors, there'll be others that emerge in this marketplace, and there are millions and millions of Americans that need better health care at a lower price. And so unfortunately, you you have health care as a percentage of GDP that's tripled in the last 50 years. And unfortunately, employers bear the biggest burden of that. And so we have a solution that makes it you know, less expensive for employers to deliver better health care for their employees. And, and I think that's a, a winning solution. Cool. Well, I feel sold. And on that note, 
<laughs> on that note, I'm going to wrap up. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. And today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Chris Miller, CEO of Paladina Health. Chris, thanks for joining me. It was, it was cool. I enjoyed it a lot. A pleasure. I enjoyed it too. Thanks, Dave. Listeners, thanks for joining me on Proco 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast and submitting a review. Thanks again to show sponsors, Community Banks of Colorado, Holland and Hart, Kinsley Meetings, MicroStar Keg Logistics, Via Technologies, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado. <laughs>